Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to The Gary and Shannon Show. Gary and Shannon. One student telling reporters it's been happening everywhere. Not shocked. It's been happening everywhere. I always felt that eventually it was going to happen here, too. Well, this is the uh, Santa Fe High School shooting. Uh, They're saying that there are multiple fatalities. The number is uh, believed to be not above 10 I don't know if that's good news or bad news. It's just the way the police officer put it when he was giving an update not too long ago. Somewhere between 8 and 10 fatalities. Uh, The shooting took place at about 7.30 this morning, Santa Fe, Texas time, just before school was to start in an art room. Helping us get through some of the details, uh, some of the early details in all of this. Alex Stone, what's going on, Alex? Hey, guys. Yeah, the lowest number is eight. It could be as high as ten who have been killed. Most of those are students, although we understand it's a mix of students and staff. One of the injured who was shot is a police officer, a school police officer. So the indication would be, being that that school police officer has a gunshot wound, is that there was some engagement with the suspect. Uh, and, and that story may turn out to be a, a police officer uh, putting an end to this, but uh, that uh, he or she does have a, an injury, a gunshot wound. Uh, but uh, the, the students, we understand that they were potentially in a classroom, in that art classroom. We know from students that the gunman uh, walked in, and we understand from some that he may have thrown an explosive device in and then started shooting. Other students saying that they heard fire alarms going off, and then after the fire alarms, they heard the gunshots. But It's unclear if the gunman activated the fire alarms first to get people to come out uh, or if it was a result of an explosive device going off and then setting off the fire alarms. But right now, police confirm there is an explosive device on campus at Santa Fe High School and one off campus that they're dealing with and they're trying to to, uh, take care of right now to make sure it's no longer dangerous. But the uh, the FBI, the ATF, uh, they're on scene and... The numbers, unfortunately, have just been going up when it comes to the injured and killed. Reports on the shooter is that he is 17. Uh, There was one report that he was wearing a trench coat. I believe that was NBC News. And then another person of interest detained. What else do we know about these two? Yeah, we know that both are students, uh, who's believed to be a 17-year-old right now, uh, is uh, is in custody, is being questioned according to police, that they want to try to quickly get more information from him, hopefully some intel if he has any more bombs anywhere, if he was planning anything else. The person of interest, uh, we don't know a whole lot about, except that it's a student, and may end up having nothing to do with this. If you think every school shooting that there is, seems like there is always a larger number uh, 
initially of suspected shooters, of people saying they saw somebody, than there really is in the end. In Columbine, people were reporting it was a team of you know, 10 different shooters, and it turned out to be Cleveland and Harris. In a uh, number of, uh, even uh, to the uh, shooting in, in northern L.A. County last week, that one initially, people were reporting multiple gunmen as well, and it turned out that there was the, the one uh, shooter in Lancaster. So this is, uh, it may end up being that this person of interest had something to do with it, maybe not, but they're interviewing that second student right now. Uh, how did the hospitals handle all of this? There were multiple hospitals that had to take in patients. Yeah, and Galveston is uh, the really where most of them are going because that's where the trauma center is. We know six were transported, six of the victims. The first victims were choppered out. The first patient who arrived at the uh, University of Texas uh, Medical Bureau, as they call it, Medical Center, uh, is in critical condition right now, underwent surgery a short time ago. We're told that patient has significant blood loss, but at this point he is still alive. There is a uh, that, that person is an adult. There is another adult who is in surgery right now. And then there is a, a student, uh, a, a teenager, believed to be around 16 years old, uh, who is in the, the pediatric ward, and they're not giving any details on, on what his or her condition is at this moment. But and they're at the trauma center. They've got three, but in total there were six who were transported out. As you mentioned, Alex, officials there uh say that there were explosives found, explosive devices found at the school and located um, adjacent to the school. We're seeing that a bomb squad is at a home. It looks like a mobile home about three miles from from the high school. I'm uh, guessing that that is the shooter's home. What do we know about the explosive devices that they found? Yeah, it's believed that that mobile home is likely where the suspected shooter lives. Uh, it, it appears right now, and, and this may change, that the explosive device that went off or that was thrown into the classroom, if in fact that's what happened, but based on what students are saying early on, was some kind of pipe bomb-like device. But this is the big concern for law enforcement. And again, just going back to a much lesser scale than, than what went on today, but the, in the Palmdale incident last week, that immediately the L.A. County Sheriff's Department sent in uh, bomb-sniffing dogs and the bomb squad to make sure, because that's just what you have to do now, because this is often part of the scenario. Unfortunately, today in Texas, yeah, it is real, and there are explosive devices in the school and apparently inside that mobile home as well. Uh, think back again to, to Columbine. Unfortunately, still the motivation for so many of these that, that there were the explosive devices that didn't end up working in that case, uh, but that they had uh, built in pipe bomb form and in uh, a natural gas container, propane container uh, form that they had put together. So there's always this concern ever since Columbine, even when they don't see signs of it, that there is going to be some kind of an explosive device following or a part of the attack. It looks like today in Santa Fe that is the case, and right now they're dealing with at least one explosive device, we're told, that is on the campus and, and one off campus. All right, Alex, thank you very much. You got it. Thanks, guys. Alex Stone there with some of the uh, some of the latest uh, early information about what's going on at this uh, high school shooting in Santa Fe, Texas. This is about 30 miles south of Houston, and the school's gymnasium seems to be a point where parents are reuniting with their kids, and in some cases, are not reuniting with their kids. This comes from the local um, Houston Chronicle. A reporter at the Houston Chronicle is at the gym, and he's observing what's going on. And he says he saw one woman uh, talking into her cell phone as she jogged to her car, saying she's not there. The hospital is confirming she's not there. He writes minutes earlier, another family 
similarly ran to their vehicle, yelling to somebody nearby that they needed to go, that their daughter had been shot and was in the hospital. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you... uh... I don't know how you do that. A girl, uh, uh, Susanna Salazar is her name. She has been photographed looking at her phone, waiting, watching to hear from her sister, her sister who was in that art class where the shots began. The art classroom is in the main back part of the school. There's a back entrance in the main building there, I guess, and, and that's where this is. The room itself has an exit that leads to the parking lot. And it's reported that when the shots were fired, when they were first fired, that a teacher that was next door was the one who initially pulled the fire alarm to let the students know all over the campus to get the hell out of there. We saw that um, in other school shootings as well, where that was used as an emergency, but also we've seen it used as a potential trap. Um, one of the things that I noticed about these kids that were being interviewed after they got out of the school was a lot of them said, well, you know, we do regular drills. In fact, there was um, there was a false alarm uh, about two weeks after the Parkland shooting back at the end of February where they were all forced out of their uh, – they were all evacuated from the campus because there were shots – sounds of what they thought were shots that were being fired near campus uh, turned out to not be true. But they uh, everybody said they were still pretty fearful because they – it was not a drill at that point. That was just uh, an exercise that just mistaken some loud noises for uh, for gunshots. There were a couple of different interviews that we'll get to, um, we'll play for you in terms of giving you the information about what's happening with the kids. But there was one that uh, has definitely gained a lot of attention already, and it was this young girl. I mean, she looks like she's maybe a freshman, interviewed on uh, MSNBC about what was going on in the classroom, and then you hear the reporter's question and her response to it is chilling. I managed to keep calm through it all. There was another girl who was just freaking out. They were struggling really hard to keep her calm. It was really, it was really scary. Was there a part of you that was like, this isn't real, this, isn't, this would not happen in my school? <laughs> no, there wasn't. Um, Why so? It's been happening everywhere. I felt, I've always kind of felt like eventually it was going to happen here too. That's like about that. the fourth or fifth time I've listened to that, and it still gives me chills. I don't think I've ever heard a kid say that. No, that's a first. They're always the ones who say, you know, I never thought it was going to be my school. Or it always happens somewhere else. It never happens to me. It's never close by. But that girl was saying that she knew or always felt like at some point it was going to be um, at her place. Again, Santa Fe High School is about 30, 40 miles uh, southeast of Houston, closer to Galveston. They're saying that there are between eight and ten fatalities in the way CNN has been reporting. Now they're saying nine students and one teacher killed. One police officer injured. Again, one suspect, 17-year-old, 17-years-old in custody and a second person of interest detained. We are going to get a news conference coming up from the scene there at 11 a.m. That's when it's expected because the governor's on his way there. Um, So maybe more information. By the way, earlier this year, the school was under a precautionary lockdown. There was a report of popping sounds in the area thought to be from a firearm. The lockdown was lifted by the end of the day. Law enforcement showed up, determined there was no danger. But that was probably on people's minds. When that fire alarm was pulled, um, there was some people in a math class not far away that said, 
you know, they, they're, they're in the middle of word problems. They look up, they hear the fire alarm, and the teacher said, there was no drill planned for today. Everybody run, run like hell. That's the first thought. You know, you put yourself back in the classroom and you and, and you hear the fire alarm go off, right? And you know there's not a drill for the day, but you still would think it was an accident, right? Yeah, you would. There, that wasn't the first thought. The first thought was, get the hell out. We probably got an active shooter situation. That's just the way the mentality has been changed in this country. The president came out uh, pretty quickly after the uh, the news broke and uh, in a tweet just said something like, uh, the, you know, the first news isn't bad. Or, I mean, they're, sorry, the, the first news isn't good. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. Um, and then came out and before he was doing a different um, event today on, I think it was prison reform or something like that, uh, he had mentioned – uh, he made some comments. We'll play those for you as well. I want to play this one for you first, though, as we go through some of this sound. Uh, this is one of the students talking on the on the phone to uh, a TV station about what he heard. He was right next door to this art class where I guess the majority of, if not all, of the shooting took place. The phone, we have a student uh, at the school named Damon Raybon. Uh, Damon, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm told you were in a classroom one door away from the shooting. What can you tell us happened? Well, uh, we were all, you know, his first period, so we were just doing notes and stuff like how we normally do, and we heard, like, a wild banging noise. At first, it was just one banging noise. We thought something fell. So the teacher of my classroom actually walked to the hallway, and I followed right behind him, and he turned down the room, and we heard, like, five more bangs, and then a kid came out, had a black, like, trench coat on, a sawed-off shotgun with a pistol grip, and I think something sharp on his chest. And then he turned, and instead of looking our way, he just grabbed the backpack and went right back into the art room. So at this time, we knew it was an actual shooter. So we turned, and we shut the door in our classroom, um, turned off all the lights, did everything we could to get the students safe, my fellow classmates. And then the teacher actually ran and pulled the fire alarm because we had no service to call 911 to let anyone know that there was a shooter because we were, like, the, our wings completely almost separate from the rest of the school. So he pulled the fire alarm to let everyone know, like, get out of the school, you know what I mean? So I guess once all the students got out of the school and heard the shots, that they all took off running. The Houston Chronicle reports that the shooter was armed with an AR-15-style rifle, a pistol, a shotgun, and pipe bombs. The official telling... Yeah, the official telling the Houston Chronicle that officers encountered inside just a bloody mess in the school. Uh, and now, the the thing is, this is a continuing situation. I mean, the shooting has stopped and has apparently stopped relatively quickly, but that they found pipe bombs and pressure cookers fa- at the scene. I, I, we don't know if, if they're actual explosive devices. They're treating them as such because they have to be incredibly careful. Uh, and there was a report possibly that maybe he even threw one of these explosive devices into the classroom before the shooting started. But they found at least one on the campus, and they're saying at least one other one off campus. And as you mentioned earlier, they also have a bomb squad at a home, um, possibly a mobile home, about three miles away from school, which could, I mean, we would assume would be this kid's house. Something to know about Santa Fe High School is it was almost the end of the school year. They had their prom last Saturday. Finals were going to be next week. Just last night was the class of 2018 sunset dinner and powder puff game. 
and then this. I saw one uh, mom with her daughter. They're both just absolutely in tears. You can understand that. And the girl saying, you know, she's this close to graduating, but she's never going to go back to that school. Not going I mean, to graduation, she... not going to the school. I don't feel safe in my town anymore, is what she says. I don't blame her. I don't either. Um, <clears throat> uh, wanted to play for you a little bit more in terms of what's what the students have been saying uh, about what's been going on, what was happening inside their school at the time. Hey, if you if you don't mind, will you start from the Sorry. very beginning? We, we understand there was a fire alarm first. Um, yeah, we thought it was a fire alarm, so we started, like, because, like, at first, I wasn't in the class when it happened because it was already students. But people were saying that they thought it was a fire alarm, but really, like, teachers told us to run as fast as we can. Hmm. But oh wow! Did you said someone came into your class with the gun though? Yes. Into the art class and started shooting. Yes. Okay, and that's where the panic ensued. Yeah. Okay. Wow. What was going through your mind? Obviously, get the heck out. Yeah. Um. I'm. I was really nervous, like scared, like anxiety started filling my body. Like everyone was feeling that. Yeah. Everyone's crying. Everyone's really emotional, trying to get their parents. Yeah, and Nikki, we can actually hear, I, it sounded like we could hear wailing uh, just where you are right now. Are there students? I suppose, I, I mean, I just can't imagine, Nikki. I'm going home right now. So. You, you're going home? You're going home? Yes, safe. A lot of people are, like, going by the gas station and so we can walk and, I guess, meet our parents. Yeah. Um, there are... There will be discussion about what do we do again. Um, we've seen it multiple times in the last several years. What do we do to prevent this? There are uh, there are ways to prevent the next school shooting. We have talked about them before. There is a a group that put out a uh, what do you want to call it a an entire list of steps that need to be taken to prevent school shootings. And it's not as easy as saying that we do away with guns. It's not as easy as saying we stop bullies, and it's never as easy as saying um, make sure that we have armed guards circling every campus. But somewhere in the middle of that, somewhere in the combination thereof, in these this Venn diagram where you've got all of these different things, is a sweet spot where we can do more. We can't prevent this forever. We can't prevent this from ever happening again but we can do something. Why Why is this us now? This is like an American identity thing. This is like what we're known for. Oh, America, we have all those school shootings. I mean, it's it's gross. Why? You know, it's, it's, it's the perfect storm between guns and mental health issues and isolated young boys. Yeah. Emotionally isolated boys. And what the hell are we going to do about that? Um, we will actually. We, this is becoming an American identity thing. And, and it's really sad. In the 1 o'clock hour, we have uh, an interview scheduled with a, a guy who helped draft a plan, an eight-point call for action to prevent gun violence in the United States of America. It specifically talks about school violence, and uh, it's not just – it's not an you know outright ban on assault weapons or anything like that. That is part of what they're going for, but they have a whole list of, of other things that need to happen in an attempt to prevent this from going on again. Again, the suspect in this case is a 17-year-old kid – we had heard a name. We haven't heard a, uh, an official identification. I did some research on trying to find out who this kid might be. 
Um, all, all signs in terms of what I was able to find, all signs point to a kid who otherwise was involved with school. Uh, but what we're going to see, I can guarantee you, is we're going to see that this kid was marginalized to some degree. He had uh, he had acted out before. Somebody saw this coming. He had an infatuation with weapons and or explosives, as we can see today. And nobody did a damn thing about it. Nobody wanted to call because they didn't want to be uncomfortable. They didn't want to look awkward at Thanksgiving dinner. There's going to be a mom, probably, who knew her kid was screwed up. Somebody made excuses for this kid. And I hope to hell that trench coat isn't a sign that he held up the Columbine killers as gods because we've gone down that road and there is a small, albeit scary as hell, online community that believes that they are. Well, and if uh, the use of the pipe bombs and the potential pressure cookers, those were clues that, that might point in that direction. And that's terrifying. You're right. I think that's probably one of the scariest aspects of this. Again, eight to ten people killed at Santa Fe High School, 30 miles south of Houston. One police officer injured. One 17-year-old kid in custody, a second person of interest detained. In about a half an hour from now, we are supposed to be getting a news conference with, with more information. But all the accounts at the scene show that this shooter walked into an art class, began firing. And uh, they're going to have eight to ten people who don't get to go home tonight. Well, we have the uh, the awkward um, transition now of doing what we're required to do and tell you how you can win $1,000. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Again, standing by for an update from Texas at 11 o'clock, possible news conference. Anything that goes on, we'll make sure that we bring it to you live here on the Gary and Shannon Show. Gary and Shannon, obviously we are keeping an eye on the story out of South Texas. Santa Fe High School in Santa Fe, Texas. A school shooting this morning. As many as 10 people killed. CNN is reporting nine students and one teacher. We expect a news conference at the top of the hour with more. We'll get back to this, but there's another breaking story. This is out of Havana. A Boeing 737 plane crashed at takeoff at Havana's airport. The initial report was that it was a Cubana de Aviación flight, Cuba's national carrier. But the latest now says that is not that is incorrect, that it was a blue panorama flight and that there were 104 people on board that plane that crashed. We don't know which which stage of takeoff. Very, very little information coming out. There about was, this. The the Cuban radio was saying that this was an internal flight. It was just within the country to go from Havana to Holguin, which is on the east side of Cuba. But there was another one that said that the airplane was reportedly flying to Guyana uh, down in South America. So uh, these details on this are uh, who knows. But uh, you said at, at least 100 people. I think 104 was the number of people on board. On board. Yeah. And uh, then in the last few weeks, that the first airline that it was reported to be, which is Cuba's national carrier, had to ground a number of their planes because of safety issues. There are a couple of different pictures that we've seen, some of which are far away. They're from within the terminal looking out over the runways. And all you can see is a thick column of smoke, so it's hard to tell exactly what condition the airplane is in. 
There's one that I've seen that's closer. I'm not even certain that this is a, a picture of the actual crash that we're seeing, but it looks like there's an airplane that's intact that has one of the engines on fire. Okay. So it's not clear if, if this is a, a, a mass casualty event where everyone went out, uh, sorry, everyone went down with the plane or if this was uh, some sort of an engine failure or something like that during takeoff. It's hard to see through all the black smoke there, but there is part of the plane that is, that is as you said, intact, uh, according to these pictures. Again, this is an airplane that just took off from Jose Marti Airport in Cuba, in Havana, and apparently crashed a Boeing 737 that crashed just after takeoff from the uh, from Cuba's main airport there. And this is all just coming in, so we'll we'll keep an eye on this, as crazy as this is, uh, because we have yet a more important story locally, well, uh, in the United States, in that this shooting at the high school in Santa Fe, Texas. There's an update coming from one of the uh, one of the hospitals right now, Clear Lake Regional Medical Center. Dr. Safi Madean. Do we have any sound on that? That guy's on CNN right now. Um, we're going to try to get an update on what some of these moments like this and when was the last time student had, conditions uh, are. For something that we saw this morning. So we prepare for moments like this on a regular basis, and the last time we were prepared for uh, mass casualty was last week. And yes, we are a level two trauma center. What does that mean to prepare for a mass casualty? Walk me through the process. Uh, So we do essentially a a mock uh, mass casualty to where we get all the services prepared, we get all the staff prepared, uh, lab, doctors, nurses, techs, um, to prepare for uh, situations like this. And we will actually call patients overhead as if though they were real patients, and we go into the room and act as though there's a real patient in there, and uh, like we're treating, you know, real live patients. Do you, do you feel that played a role in this morning? Absolutely. Talk a little bit about how you think the morning went. Uh, the morning went really well, right? So when essentially it's practice makes perfect with these types of uh, mock trials, right? So we're preparing for the real thing, you know? And so uh, during practice, we make sure that everybody is there, right? And um, we, we, we run through the motions, essentially, just like we would like this morning. Patients that have been here and have been discharged, can you describe how they're doing emotionally, kind of their Um, I, You know, uh, specifically, I, I can't tell. I'm pretty sure they're all pretty rattled, though, right, going through something like this. Can you, know. you say all are students? I believe so, yes, ma'am. I know you trained for this, you had just trained for this, but what was it like actually having to go through the real thing here today? Uh, you know, you can never really emotionally prepare for the real thing, right, until it happens. i got to say... As emergency physicians, um, gunshot wound victims uh, are not foreign to us, right? So, uh, you know, we see this throughout all of our training. And so um, we're in there. We know what to do. We've done it before. How emotionally rewarding was it to see parents connect with children for the first time, not knowing exactly what the status of their child was? Well, as a parent myself, I think it's always um, uh, how emotionally rewarding. It's always great to see uh, parents come in and connect with their children. I mean, but I think right now it's just a really emotional time, right? It's not a, a happy moment for anybody um, because uh, everybody's grieving at the same time. So, Seeing the six patients be able to go home, I mean, that's... This is just reporters mining for uh, sound bites is what's happening here. They're planning their uh, their second and third tier stories for the 11 o'clock news later. The, stupid. the uh, middle-aged man, though, that was in sur- – I'm not sure if he's out of surgery yet, but in critical condition. Uh, it is now being reported from 
the NBC station there, KHOU, that it is a police officer that was in critical. We saw earlier on one of the uh, school district officials was saying that they had one of their officers, uh, one of their armed officers on campus who was the one who was um uh, who was injured, but we don't know the details yet about whether the injury, uh, we assume that that injury was a gunshot by the gunman. I mean, that there was some sort of an exchange of fire between the two of them and that uh, the 17-year-old gunman was then taken taken down uh, and is still alive. We don't know what sort of condition he's in, if he is, in fact, one of the students that had to be taken in uh, and is being treated at a hospital. But there are reports of yet a second home that has also been surrounded, a second house uh, I believe in Alvin, Texas, being surrounded may be connected with this attack on the high school. This one would be about four miles away from Santa Fe High School. The FBI, uh, state troopers, other heavily armed local law enforcement standing around the home, and they're saying that the home may be connected with the student uh, suspected in this attack. Michael Farina, 17 years old, says he was on the other side of campus when the shooting began, thought it was a fire drill. He was holding a door open for special education students in wheelchairs, when a principal came running down the hall telling everyone to run, another teacher yelling out, it is real. Students were led away from the campus to take cover behind a car shop across the street. Some still did not feel safe there, began jumping the fence behind the shop to even run further away. We have a map of the school that we've been looking at. I mean, it's a it's a big, big campus. It would probably cover, I would assume, what would be eight to ten city blocks i mean just in terms of the size not a lot around the campus either no it's there's a very rural area it looks very like. very few trees or anything like that or i should say very few buildings but a lot of trees that are around there uh that uh, state highway six it looks like is where this uh is given is the address for this high school uh but around it is just looks like several acres of open field and not very much cover for the kids who felt like they were trying to run away. Okay, we'll take a break and then come back and hear from more students uh, about what they experienced this morning. Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon, uh, keeping our eye on a uh, couple of different stories that are going on. Uh, obviously, the big one is that the school shooting at Santa Fe High School, the death toll is apparently 10. Nine students, one teacher, according to a CNN source. This was a shooter, 17-year-old kid who is now being identified by CBS News as well as the Houston Chronicle that is citing an FBI source Naming this kid as Demetrius Pagorchis. Pagorchis. Um, he, all of his social media has been scrubbed, or I should say the vast majority of it has. But before it was taken down, a lot of images have been pulled already. And we've seen a bunch of stuff about this guy. Uh, his his Facebook page is, you know, what you would expect for a 17-year-old kid. Although he's got some uh, some pretty demonic-looking art as part of his uh, his banner over the top of it, including a pentagram, including some, you know, and weird pencil drawings of some monsters, it looks like. And there was the photo that was posted shortly before the massacre at that high school, a photo on his Facebook page that he shared of a T-shirt. And the T-shirt says born to kill. 
There's also a, a big, long military jacket. We'd heard reports from some of the witnesses that he was wearing some sort of a, a trench coat or something. There is a big black duster that he's got uh, He's got a picture of with a series of different medals on it. And he describes the medals, uh, each of them, explaining what they are. The duster hammer and sickle up on one collar, uh, rebellion rising sun on the other collar, uh, kamikaze tactics iron cross hanging like a military medal from the breast, uh, bravery baphomet and an evil two- I don't even know how to say that word. Cthulhu. The what's interesting about each of these, the, the black and white Iron Cross is the highest German military decoration for bravery, redesigned in '57 after the German government banned the production of Nazi-associated emblems. Some students claiming that this kid was bullied by students and possibly a teacher. He played defensive end or defensive tackle on the Indians football team, the high school football team there. And there was one article he was cited in from last uh, last year where he is said to have played a huge role in, in that game of stopping the run game or something. Um, he does say on his Facebook page that he was planning on joining the military in 2019. Actually, one of his identifiers in the little About Me column says United States Marine Corps. The Marines, by the way, uh, say we don't have any record of this kid, you know, wanting to join or, or filling out anything. There are a couple pictures that he put up on Instagram as well that show him with um, or at least show pictures of a uh, knife, a uh, flashlight, a uh, sort of a tactical knife that he had unfolded onto his bed. Those aren't those aren't indications that this is, uh, you know, that this kid was going to be violent. But, hey, do me a favor. Uh, look at your son's Instagram account and see if there are weapons on there. And if there is a pentagram and there are pencil drawings of monsters. Oh, and he is glamorizing Nazis or kamikazes or uh, communism. Or Just just do a quick check. Just do while, you, while you're thinking about it. These are the things that people, when you look at them, should be warning signs. Don't give me the BS that everyone's free to have a pentagram on their Instagram account. Absolutely fine. I don't care. When you combine that with all this other stuff that's going on with this kid, how do you not, un- how do you not drop a dime on him? We've seen this too many times where these red flags continue to be posted in this guy's front yard and nobody does anything about it. The... The, the what's going on right now at the campus at this high school, Santa Fe High School in Texas, is they're continuing to search the entire building because of the fact this guy may have used pipe bombs or some other sort of explosive device. They said that there may have also been pressure cookers that this kid was bringing to campus, and they're checking his house because of reports that it may have been booby-trapped for law enforcement once they got there. The kid is alive. Again, they took him into custody he is alive and will have a lot to answer for with all of this. You know, it's crazy is that, you know, we're going through the social media red flags, right? Well, we talked about the lockdown that this high school was put under back in March, just a couple months ago, because there were reports of shots fired at, at the school. But the panic really started with social media posts. Um, There was a female student who wrote something on social media about a shooting and then somebody reported hearing the the booms. And that's what that's what caused the lockdown and the big law enforcement presence and everything. 
you would think after we've seen all of these um, social media red flags and other and other shootings and other troubled kids, right, that, that 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 would be something that you were alerted to. The problem with this kid is he didn't have any friends on social media. No one was looking at these posts. That brings up another problem, right? Again, if no one can while I mean, you're thinking of it. Sh- yeah. Check your kids uh, social media while we're thinking about it. Huh? Just uh yeah, Just but they have, yeah, but you know what they have? They have accounts you don't even know about. Find them. <laughs> yeah. All right. We are waiting oh. for a press conference coming up. Uh, it's it's probably in moments here from the governor there who's on his way to the school hoping for an update here. The other story that we were watching that just happened not too long ago was a 737 crashed after takeoff from Jose Marti International Airport in Havana. We believe it was an interna- sorry, an intranational. It was just going from one end of the island to the other, which is about a 50-minute flight to Holguin, but it crashed just after takeoff. Somewhere over 100 people on board, but we don't know their conditions. We don't know if everyone was killed. If some people, We don't know yet, but a 737 crashed in Havana not too long ago. Whew. Lot to get to today. Terrible day. Gary and Shannon will continue after this. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Here is the latest out of Santa Fe High School. CNN reports from a source that nine people were killed. And, and I'm sorry, nine students were killed and an adult. Looks like a police officer was in critical condition, was spent most of the morning in surgery. Haven't been updated to his condition. We are awaiting a press conference from the scene with uh, the governor there of Texas that was making his way to the school. First period began at 7.10 this morning there at Santa Fe High School. And before 8 o'clock, the shots were fired inside that art class. Um, the uh, the president was quick to tweet, um, said that the early reports didn't look good. And uh, he was absolutely correct on that, although it was a very short statement. Later on, he gave a statement. There is a 17-year-old who is in custody. They have named him. We don't need to say his name a million times, but they have named him. And we've been able to look through some of his social media accounts, which now that we see them, obviously, there's a bunch of red flags that we can see. Uh, And then there's a second person that they're saying they only call it a a person of interest, but that there are sources saying to different media outlets that this second person may be a possible accomplice in this. Also, explosive devices were found inside the school and they're saying adjacent to. In adjacent areas to the school, there is a bomb squad at a home about three miles from the high school, a mobile home. Um, A second home has investigators searching as well. And the community was told, hey, be on the lookout. Be on the lookout today of anything suspicious and call it in. Uh, This was the president. There was another event that was previously scheduled at the White House, and he took to the podium and made these comments about the school shooting. Unfortunately, I have to begin by expressing our sadness and heartbreak over the deadly shooting at Santa Fe High School in Texas just took place moments ago. We're closely monitoring the situation and federal authorities are coordinating with local officials. This has been going on too long in our country, too many years, too many decades now. We grieve for the terrible loss of life and send our support and love to everyone affected. 
by this absolutely horrific attack to the students, families, teachers, and personnel at Santa Fe High. We're with you in this tragic hour, and we will be with you forever. My administration is determined to do everything in our power to protect our students, secure our schools, and to keep weapons out of the hands of those who pose a threat to themselves and to others. Everyone must work together at every level of government to keep our children safe. May God heal the injured, and may God comfort the wounded, and may God be with the victims and with the victims' families. Very sad day. Very, very sad. He went on to, um, uh, to talk about prison reform, I think, was, uh, was what the event was all about. Uh, the original reports were that there was maybe a shooter at the school. The The first report I heard from Jonesy this morning was that a girl from, a art, from the art class said that somebody came in and shot someone in the leg. And it did not sound as if it was going to be that serious. I mean, granted, somebody bringing a weapon to school and shooting someone in a classroom is serious, but did not expect the death toll to jump the way it did. And then a, a, a father of one of the students had come onto campus and was telling uh, the news media gathered outside that he saw several students being taken away by ambulance. The quote from the scene from one of the students there, young girl looks to be, like you said, about a freshman, uh, is sticking out, I think, for, for everyone. And and her quote was when the reporter asked, um, could you believe this was happening? And And she said, yeah, it's been happening everywhere. I kind of always felt like it would happen here, too. Now, that's that's a first. Yeah, I've not heard that one before. Um, The fact that kids are going to school thinking it's only a matter of time till there's an active shooter on their campus. There's something wrong with that. Something very real that's wrong with that. And you can't imagine, I mean, working in a school system, knowing that you're that there are at least some students who feel that way. That's a terrifying prospect. Um, here was one of the students that we saw interviewed early on uh, who talking about who this guy possibly was, and he actually mentions the kid's name. Let, let me stop you there for a second. You did see uh, someone you described as wearing a trench coat with a sawed-off shotgun. Is this anybody you recognized from campus? Um, I'm being told that from my description that I gave, there was some kid named Dimitri. That's just what I'm being told. I do not know 100%. Is this a student? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, let me let me uh, circle back for a second. You've had active shooter drills at Santa Fe High School before? Uh, yes, sir. We had, I think, two this year, and then we had one, like, where we thought there was an actual shooter, and so, like, we played it just like how it actually was supposed to be played. So the way everything unfolded uh, just this morning was obviously something you had almost rehearsed for. Would you say oh, things yes, so so what did you think at all that this was perhaps another rehearsal or did you know you were in it? Um at first we didn't think nothing of it like we thought like someone was banging on the shop door or something because it was just such a loud just banging rattly type noise but when we went in the hallway and we heard it five or six more times we knew right away that it was a, definitely a gun and we we could smell the gun the gun smoke and it was very very Excellent. loud i guess it was echoing through the halls 
So we ran right back to our class and knew exactly how we were trained. We now, he describes then the teacher locking the doors, turning off the lights, et cetera, and barricading the door and waiting until the SWAT team or other law enforcement came through and were able to escort them out. He also referred to the two previous drills and then a third time when they thought there was a shooting on campus. And it happened just a couple of weeks after the shooting in Parkland, Florida. In fact, I think it was two weeks after where they heard the report of gunshots off campus nearby and they had to go through a full school lockdown. And no one at that time knew whether or not it was real, whether there was an actual threat. Turns out there wasn't. But he says he knows. I mean, they knew exactly what to do because they had gone through this training. There are still parents, as you can imagine, that are scrambling to find their kids. And that has just got to be torture. Parents that are showing up to the gym where there's some reunifications are taking place and their kid's not there. Well, there were a lot of kids that just scattered after this happened. We told you many of them ran to um, a car place across the road. Some of them jumped the fence from there because it wasn't far away enough for them. And there are parents that are very frustrated still that got, haven't gotten enough answers. Um you know, when you have a multi-casualty situation like this and several injured, you know, kids are taken to hospitals and who went where and the frustration and just nightmare of it all is just really hard to imagine. Well, we're saying, you know, parents going to the gym and then, you know, being heard screaming into their cell phone. She's not there. She's not there. That was the weird part. One of those students we heard interviewed on the phone, you could hear everyone in the background screaming yes and, and bawling i mean howling with fear um the the governor of texas uh, is in santa fe has already visited the high school and is expected to hold a news conference pretty soon and we will take that whole thing uh, as soon as it comes down we expect i think senator ted cruz is going to be there a bunch of local officials as well will be around to give us an update on what it is that happened today but the death toll right now is believed to be a 10 nine students and one teacher one person is in custody, a 17-year-old who is believed to have been the shooter, but they've also got a second person in custody believed to be a person of interest. They're also investigating pipe bombs or pressure cookers or some sort of explosive devices at the scene, at the high school, and off campus. So there are, there are multiple crime scenes they're still working on. We're getting pictures. CBS News has a picture uh, from Havana from the, the, the Boeing 737 that has crashed on takeoff, and this uh, looks devastating if this is, in fact, the scene. Um, but CBS News has posted it. It, it looks like uh, what's left of a wing and just utter devastation for this plane uh, in, in a, a wooded area with a bunch of uh, first responders standing around not doing much because it doesn't look like there's much to be done. All right, uh, we'll come back. We'll continue to update both of these stories and standing by for that news conference out of Santa Fe, Texas. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon on uh, what is turning out to be kind of a sucky Friday. Yeah, first, uh, I just want to do a brief update on this Boeing 737. They're saying it was operated by State Airline Cubana, 
and it crashed on takeoff from the airport in Havana. 104 passengers and nine crew aboard coming to rest in a farm field. Uh, Firefighters there to spray what was left of the fuselage with hoses. No word on the casualties, but... uh, People who live in the area, very rural, said they had seen some survivors being taken away in ambulances. A military officer who declined to provide his name to reporters said that there appeared to be only three survivors in critical condition. What? How do you have a plane full of 100-plus people and three survivors? I don't know. Again, these are very early reports, yeah. Um, The pictures that we've seen, there are only a couple, but you can see what appears to be a portion of a wing. I mean, that's it. That's the only part of this plane that's recognizable. And in all honesty, I mean, there are firefighters, and it looks like military, some military standing amid the rubble there, but the vast majority of people are just standing with their hands on their hips or their arms crossed in front of them. There's nothing they can do. Nothing they can do. Again, that's a an airliner that crashed just after taking off from the international airport in Havana. Although it wasn't an international flight, we understand that it was a flight supposed to go from Havana uh, to Holguin, which is just on the east side, the east end of the island, about an hour-long flight. Um, so just a just a bizarre day. Of course, the other story that we're keeping an eye on is at Santa Fe High School in Santa Fe, Texas, the uh, the number, although not official yet, it has been reported multiple times, 10 people killed, including nine students, one teacher, in a school shooting at Santa Fe High School in Santa Fe, Texas, about 30, 40 miles southeast of Houston. There is one suspect in this case, a 17-year-old, who has been identified. They have him in custody. And there is one person of interest, they say, who has also been taken into custody, but we don't know what sort of connection, if there is any, between that person and the alleged shooter. Also, they're investigating They're investigating explosive devices, some that were found on the campus, uh, at least one, I should say, that was found on the campus, and at least one that was found off of the campus. And we know that there are police executing search warrants in at least two different locations away from campus. Uh, believed One of them is believed to be this kid's house, and then another one a few more miles away in the town of Arvin uh, that has... Um, that that may be owned by somebody who has the same last name. Sorry, Alvin, not Alvin. Alvin. Yeah, officials are going in and out of that orange home there, and there's also a storage shed and trailer next to the property that is uh, that is being searched. And they said to the community at the first press conference they had that you know, be on the lookout. We don't know what else this guy had planned. Be on the lookout for explosive devices. Um, We know that the governor of Texas, uh, Greg Abbott, has been to the campus, and we know that he is getting an update on what happened earlier today. We don't know exactly what the status is on the campus itself. It's a pretty large school on a very large area, multiple acres there. So they're going to make sure that they have everything cleaned out and secure before they declare that campus safe. But they are planning on holding a news conference. They were saying that it was going to start. They had originally planned it for about 11 o'clock our time. And the microphones, everybody's waiting and ready and set up for that. We're just waiting for the law enforcement officials to come forward with uh, with their first real news conference about what happened. All right. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. Ten people shot and killed at Santa Fe High School this morning. 
shots broke out in the art hall and art class just before 8 o'clock this morning. Um, the shooter has been identified, 17-year-old. Second uh, person of interest also detained. This shooter shared photographs on his Facebook page of a T-shirt that said, Born to Kill, before this morning's attack. Clothes adorned with German nationalist propaganda. What do we know about him? Not a lot. Uh, we know he played on the defensive line for the school football team during his freshman year. Um, his Facebook page does cite a connection to the U.S. Marine Corps, maybe a wannabe Marine, but he is obviously not affiliated with the Marines. He is a member of a dance squad with a local Greek Orthodox church, according to the Associated Press. Now, a woman who answered the phone at a number associated with the family, his family, Declined to speak with the AP, saying, and here's what she said, give us our time right now. Thank you. An attacker, the attacker, uh, according to an official that spoke with the Houston Chronicle, says that he had an AR-15-style rifle, a pistol, a shotgun, and pipe bombs. It's weird to me that that's a lot to carry around. Um, yeah. And it's also weird to me because it's so reminiscent of what happened at Columbine High School, where they were using those... Um, those gas cylinders in an attempt to blow up part of the school. In that case, thankfully, they didn't go off, but um, it looks like these were active and and ready to explode pipe bombs or pressure cookers or something along those lines. And they've said not only did they find the one on campus, that they found one uh, somewhere near campus and have told everyone in that town of Santa Fe, Texas, to be on the lookout for anything that's out of the ordinary, to be careful because they don't know anything. They don't know if this is a part of a larger plot that this kid had. And now, of course, with the word that there may have been another person of interest that's been taken into custody, that this may be some sort of a wider thing. We can hope that it's not, but we just they don't know yet. A number of people injured on um, the Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center asking people to donate blood. They're in need of platelets and O-negative red blood cells. Um, the, the update on the injured is this. Eight students were taken to Clear Lake Regional Med Center, all suffering from gunshot wounds. Six have been discharged. One is in critical condition, another in fair condition. Two other students were taken to Mainland Med Center in Texas City. They were being treated in connection with the attack, did not have uh, gunshot wounds. At University of Texas in Galveston treating three people with wounds, a male under 18 with a gunshot to the leg, middle-aged woman with a gunshot to the leg, man in his 50s who is a school police officer and retired Houston police detective. He remained in surgery as of about 30, 35, 40 minutes ago with a gunshot to the upper arm near the chest. Significant blood loss. Yeah, they said that he was probably going to be in critical condition for some time, uh, even if he's out of surgery anytime soon. Uh, you mentioned that they were asking for blood. They, one of the local reporters from Houston had been outside what was set up as a temporary blood donation station. There were hundreds of people in line. And they were saying that they were overwhelmed at that spot, and they were telling people to go to other places uh, throughout Galveston or even Houston to donate blood if they were so moved to do so uh, in an attempt to do something. Again, standing by for a news conference from somewhere in Texas, believed to be near the school. Uh, The governor of Texas is there. Senator Ted Cruz is believed to be there as well, along with all of these local officials that are going to give us an update on what happened. The other story that we've been following is this plane crash in Havana. It looks like uh, at least 100 people were on board this plane. 
737 that take uh, that took off from the airport there in Havana to fly to a different part of Cuba, about an hour flight, and it exploded soon after takeoff. They're saying there are a high number of casualties, but that there are some people who appeared to have survived this plane crash. We don't know how high it was, how far, how long after takeoff it was. Uh, or if it just basically augured in out right after uh, leaving the ground. Cuba state-run media says three passengers who were on board the plane are in critical condition. Strange because I saw they, I saw a stretcher. I saw a video of somebody being taken off in a stretcher. Now, the way it looked to me was they were still in a seat, that they had just lifted the entire seat oh, wow. and everything and put it up on the stretcher to take the person out of there. Yeah, that I well. It, that doesn't that doesn't seem hopeful for three people no. taken out of a crash when you look at the wreckage. Well, and the wreckage is is just devastating. It's yeah. in you know a sort of a a very wooded area, although it was described as a farming area nearby uh, near the airport. But it's uh, there's nothing left of this plane. There's one what looks like the quarter, the outside quarter of one of the wings that is not damaged by fire. But everything else is just unrecognizable about that airplane. Uh, and again, that was in in Havana, probably maybe an hour ago, an hour and a half ago is when we first heard of this. So just a, just again, a sucky Friday. Let's just say it that way. It's a sucky Friday. Um, we have a bunch that we're going to get to a little bit later in the show, including several different correspondents who are working on the story out of Texas. Serena Marshall is on Capitol Hill. We talk to her all the time, but. We're going to be talking about gun control because this issue is going to be the focus for the next several days in the conversation about how we stop this type of violence on our school campuses. There was a mother, a 38-year-old mom, and uh, she was talking to reporters today outside Santa Fe High School. She's got a, an 11-year-old daughter who goes to the the junior high there, and she said her daughter will not be returning to school in the fall. She's not sending her daughter to public school anymore. And I'm wondering how many other people will have that reaction. Because as you heard from that little girl today at the at Santa Fe High School, she wasn't even shocked that this was happening, saying it's been happening everywhere. I always felt it was going to happen here, too. There was There's one girl. There's an image. I don't know if you've been watching any of this yet, but there's one girl, a blonde girl. I think she's got a nose ring. And yes. The only reason I say that is because it's been recognizable. I've seen her come up several times. Dakota is her name. Uh, she she gave an interview describing what she has gone through this morning. I was scared for her. I didn't know what to think. I shouldn't be going through this. It's my school. Like, this is my daily life. I shouldn't have to feel like that. And I feel scared to even go back. Like, it's just not something that you should feel throughout the day, being scared. Especially somewhere where we say the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, I don't know. It's just I shouldn't feel like this. I heard that my friend got shot in the art hole. And as soon as the alarms went off, everybody just started running outside. And next thing you know, everybody looks and the, you hear boom, boom, boom. And I just ran as fast as I could to the nearest forest so I could hide. And I called my mom. She's absolutely right. Somewhere where you say the Pledge of Allegiance in America, you shouldn't be afraid to be there. And that's how these kids are feeling. They're afraid to be at school. It is a foreign 
It is foreign. It is a foreign thing. Absolutely. I mean, just... To live in fear like that, that is not America, but that's what it's become with these school shootings. It's just so bizarre to wrap your head around that because you think about your time in your high school and you think about your time in how developmentally important that place was to you, whether it was positive or negative, it's important and helps shape who you are. And now these are, you know, these places are being infringed upon by this horrific violence. We'll come back. We're still standing by for this news conference out of Texas. And when it starts, we will jump right in. Uh, Gary and Shannon will continue. Looks like this press conference there is about to get underway. I've been waiting for um, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who who, uh, has got an update now on what's been happening at Santa Fe High School. Again, 10 fatalities, nine students, one teacher. And the governor, uh, Senator Ted Cruz, and other law enforcement officials, including uh, from the Texas Rangers and Texas State Patrol and every FBI, ATF, everyone who's involved is expected to have their shot at this news conference here in a few minutes. Um, the story was that at about 7.30, 7.45 this morning, there was a shooting at Santa Fe High School in an art room. We don't know if it expanded much more than that, but that there were several kids, nine kids, one teacher killed. There were several others who were injured and have uh, and been in various degrees of uh, medical care right now, whether they were in surgery or uh, just treated for superficial wounds in the hospital. One of the more critical injuries was a uh, middle-aged man who was described as a Santa Fe School District police officer, a retired detective from Houston, who apparently exchanged gunfire with the, with the shooter. 17-year-old shooter is alive, was taken into custody, and another person, they're saying, has been detained as a potential accomplice in all of this. One student says he was near that art classroom where the shooting took place, 18-year-old Logan. He says he heard a fire alarm there and, and went outside. Then he heard two loud bangs. He didn't think those were gunshots, but then he thought somebody hit a trash can very loudly. Then he hears three loud bangs. That's when the teachers, he says, told us to run. They ran to a shell station there. Um, other people uh, ran to other. Uh, there was a couple. It's a pretty rural high school. There's just a couple businesses around there. There's a lot of space. I mean, a lot of open space, open fields around this. Uh, it's on a it's on a rural highway. I mean, the address is uh, sixteen thousand Highway Six. Uh, they've got the usual football field, baseball field, softball field out onto the corner of the lot or corner of the property there, the corner of campus. But for the most part, it is very wide open until you get into the surrounding neighborhoods where you have some trees for cover. And we'd heard stories from kids who were told by their by their teachers when the fire alarm started going off, we didn't have anything planned today. We didn't have any drills planned today. Just run like hell. A 16-year-old boy who considers the shooter a friend says that this kid, uh, the shooter, is interested in guns and war simulation video games, but he's never talked about killing people. This kid's name is Tristan. He's a junior there at Santa Fe High. He says that the shooter didn't show signs of being bullied, but that he rarely talked about himself. And sometimes he would enter the classroom acting a little bit down or sad, a little bit sluggish, but he never talked about why. The Associated Press found a phone number uh, associated to the shooter's family 
and called it, and a woman answered and didn't want to talk to the reporter saying, please give us our time. Thank you. Very weird. Uh, we've um, not know we, we haven't seen a lot about this kid other than what we could glean from his uh, his social media outside of what was taken down. Uh, there isn't much out there. He doesn't have a whole lot of uh, digital trail on the Internet. But a lot of the stuff that we had seen were the pictures like you were referring to of a shirt that said born to kill on it. Talked about having an, affi- uh, an affinity for the U.S. Marine Corps, um, that he had pictures of weapons on his Instagram account, like a handgun and a, and a knife. But it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a, uh, a rampant thing. It wasn't a, you know, it wasn't full of, in- of pictures of weapons or anything like that. The duster that we saw was a, laid out on a bed that had a couple of different pins on it, like the Iron Cross. Uh, rising sun, a symbol of the kamikaze tactics. He had a hammer and sickle on his uh, other collar. And we don't know if that was, in fact, the, the duster that was seen, that he was seen wearing. But a lot of people said he was wearing a black trench coat when he was doing all of this. We are waiting for Governor Greg Abbott uh, to address reporters there at Santa Fe High School. Governor Greg Abbott, who just uh, weeks ago released uh, the information about grant funding, uh, $2.3 million in grant funding to support the survivors of the Sutherland Springs shootings. Now, it's just two miles east of Santa Fe High School, Sutherland Springs, where a shooter barged into that church last fall and killed 26 people, nearly half of them children. And here he is again today talking about the deaths of more children. Um, so we'll stand by and wait for when the Texas governor does speak and we do see uh, a lot of other law enforcement give the details. This is the first real large law enforcement update on the shooting at Santa Fe High School. We'll take that when it comes. Also, we're following the story out of Havana, Cuba. There was a Cuban airliner, a 737, carrying more than 100 passengers that exploded into flames and crashed just moments after it took off from the Havana airport a couple of hours ago now. The most amazing part is it appears that there may have been a few survivors in this plane crash. And the reason I say that is because the the pictures of the devastation of that plane are ridiculous. And to think that anybody was able to survive that would just be miraculous. Yeah, this is uh, quite the scene of just sheer devastation. And the report is that three people may have been taken away in critical condition. Uh, Relatives of passengers believed to be on the flight have also shown up to the crash site. Among them, a man who said that his wife and niece were aboard. All right. Uh, We'll take a break. We're standing by again, waiting for the Texas governor for an update out of Santa Fe, Texas. Uh, Gary and Shannon will continue. All right. We're going to cut out of this traffic report and go live now to Santa Fe High School, where the governor there is going to give us an update. Uh, They're down here now. Uh, We've spent a little bit of time briefing uh, governor, lieutenant governor, Senator Cruz and other elected officials on the events that happened this morning. At uh, this time, I will uh, pass it off to Governor Abbott. Judge, uh, first I want to thank you for uh, your tireless efforts over the past few hours to help uh, your county respond to this. Uh, we appreciate you and your entire team uh, stepping up and uh, showing the way uh, to respond to what has to be uh, probably the worst disaster uh, ever to strike this community. also want to express my gratitude to the other officials who are gathering with us here today. Uh, This is uh, just the beginning of what will be a very robust response uh, by both uh, local, state, and federal officials. Uh, We come together today as we deal uh, with one of the most heinous attacks 
that we've ever seen in the history of Texas schools. It's impossible to describe the magnitude of the evil of someone who would attack innocent children in a school, a place of learning where parents should be able to send their children without fear for their child. Would attack innocent children in a school, a place of learning where parents should be able to send their children without fear for their child's safety. It's with a very heavy heart that I can confirm that as of this time, there have been 10 lives that have been lost and uh, another 10 that have been wounded. We grieve for the victims who lost their lives at Santa Fe High School, and we pray for the families who are suffering and will continue to suffer in the days to come. Nothing can prepare a parent for the loss of a child. This will be a long and painful time for these parents as they work their way through what has to be the greatest challenge they've ever dealt with. We mourn with them. We mourn as fellow Texans. But we must come together as one community at this time of enormous suffering and show the victims and their families the support they need and they deserve. We appreciate all the first responders who've already stepped up to help respond to this challenge. And we look to God. We look to God to give the first responders as well as the victims and their families the guidance they need in the coming days and weeks as we work to continue to get to the bottom of what happened and very importantly work to respond to this challenge. I ask the rest of the country to join Texas in mourning the loss of these individuals, these students, and to offer your prayers and support of these families. And I ask every parent out there, wherever you may be, to hold your children close tonight and let them know how much you love them. Now, we have two goals going forward. The immediate goal is uh, to work in the immediate aftermath of this catastrophe, uh, to gather the evidence and information that is needed uh, to ensure that this crime is going to be prosecuted appropriately, while also working in tandem to ensure that we provide uh, the, the families and victims as well as all the children uh, at this school and schools across the entire independent school district with the support and resources and counseling they need. Second, we need to do more than just pray for the victims and their families. It's time in Texas that we take action to step up and make sure this tragedy is never repeated ever again in the history of the state of Texas. So beginning immediately, I'm going to be working with members of the Texas legislature, but also uh, members of our communities across the entire state of Texas uh, to begin uh, with uh, roundtable discussions beginning next week, where we will assemble all stakeholders 
uh, to begin to work immediately on swift solutions to prevent tragedies like this from ever happening again. We want to hear from parents. We want to hear from students. We want to hear from educators. We want to hear from concerned citizens. We want to hear from, from those who hold the Second Amendment right uh, in high esteem. We want to hear from everybody who has an interest uh, in what has happened today uh, so we can work together on putting together laws uh, that will protect Second Amendment rights, but at the same time ensure that our communities and especially our schools are safer places. These include things like speeding background checks. They also include strategies to keep guns out of the hands of those who pose an immediate danger to others. They include providing more resources to our schools uh, to make sure that they have the safety personnel who can help protect their schools. It also means providing resources to address the mental health issues behind gun violence with a focus to reduce gun violence. It also means perhaps expanding a program uh, that we've seen work effectively in the Lubbock Independent School District where uh, they have ways of uh, measuring uh, mental health challenges of students and being able to identify those who may pose a risk and looking to deploy those strategies in school districts across the state of Texas. Listen, the fact of the matter is, uh, in the fog of the aftermath of a catastrophe like this, the answers are not always immediate, but the answers will come by us working together. Now, that said, I, I do want to cover some of the details of where we stand right now, understanding that we will be providing updates later. I mentioned those who have been identified uh, as being deceased and wounded, and we will provide an update on that later on. We are still, uh, law enforcement is still in the process of undertaking uh, both searches and investigation uh, of the entire scene as well as other locations. Uh, they uh, have warrants out uh, concerning uh, the person who was responsible for the shooting, uh, and they include warrants to search two residences. Uh, the reason why there is some slowness in being able to undertake these searches is, is because of the potential for explosive devices to be found in these residences. They want to make sure they're able to enter them uh, without anybody being harmed. Uh, one reason why there is concern about explosive devices is uh, that various different kinds of explosive devices have already been uh, detected. Uh, one uh, was a, a CO2 uh, device. Uh, another was a Molotov cocktail. Uh, and there are various other types of explosive devices that have been identified both in a home as well as in a vehicle. Uh, there's also a search warrant out for the vehicle of the shooter, uh, but again, care and caution is being undertaken uh, to make sure that entry is not made into that vehicle in a way that could pose harm to the people who are trying to enter into it. We also know uh, information already uh, that, there, that the, the shooter has information contained in journals on his computer and his cell phone that, that he said that uh, uh, not only did he want to commit the shooting, but he wanted to commit suicide uh, after the shooting. As you probably know, uh, he gave himself up and admitted at the time that he didn't have the courage uh, to commit the suicide, that he wanted to uh, take his own life earlier. Uh, he is currently at the uh, Santa Fe Police Department. Uh, the Santa Fe Police Department is, is working in collaboration on this investigation with the FBI. 
with the Texas Department of Public Safety, with the ATF, uh, with the Gal Galveston Police Department, as well as the Galveston County Sheriff's Office. Uh, this is something that will be handled uh, uh, co collaboratively uh, by both federal and state prosecutors. Uh, so you'll know there are uh, one or two other people of interest uh, that are going to be uh, and are currently being interviewed. Uh, one is a person who was at the scene, uh, and we, we cannot definitively say whether or not this is a person who, who may have had some level of involvement in the crime. Uh, there was just some suspicious reactions on the part of this person that we want to make sure that this person is adequately investigated. And then separate from that, there is a, another person uh, where we have certain information that uh, we want to make sure this other person uh, is going to be fully interviewed uh, to see if there's information to be gleaned uh, from this other person who uh, at this time will, will not be identified. Uh, as you probably have heard, uh, the weapons used in this attack, uh, there are two weapons. One was a shotgun and the other is a 38 revolver. Uh, neither of these weapons uh, were owned or, or legally possessed uh, by the shooter. It's my information that both of these weapons uh, were obtained by the shooter from his father. It's my information at this time that the father legally owned these weapons. I have no information at this time whether or not the father was aware that, that his son had taken these weapons from the father. Um, I, I do want to thank all of the multitude of law enforcement agencies that have been involved in this process. They include the Santa Fe Police Department, uh, Galveston Sheriff's Office, uh, Texas Department of Public Safety, League City Police Department, as I mentioned earlier, both the FBI as well as the ATF, uh, the Galveston Police Department, uh, Harris County Sheriff's Office, Texas City Police Department, Pearland Police Department and Houston Metro Police Department. And um, two things we're working on as we speak. Uh, one is, is to make sure that uh, parents are going to be notified as swiftly as possible. Uh, one thing that depends upon is uh, how swiftly uh, the crime scene is going to be able to be uh, uh, dealt with, uh, with the concern being that for the potential of explosive devices on the crime scene. I think that's something that can be worked out uh, here in a very short period of time. Second, very importantly, uh, is uh, the necessity of providing counseling uh, to everybody involved. Certainly counseling for uh, the families, uh, for, for any living victim, uh, but for all of the students uh, at the school, and I would say any student in the entire independent school district. The, the, I know that resources are being provided uh, by the county for that. They are also being provided uh, by the state. And we will have uh, whatever amount of counselors uh, the, the school district needs. I've had the opportunity to visit with the superintendent of the school district, who's been quite helpful uh, both in the investigation but also in the response, and I thank her uh, for her leadership in this effort. Also, as you've heard, I have received... Uh, phone calls from the President, the Vice President, the Secretary of Homeland Security, as well as the Secretary of Education. All have pledged uh, whatever support Texas needs in order to be able to adequately respond to this. Now, one of the people helping us respond to it 
uh, is uh, one of the senators uh, from the state of Texas uh, to the federal government, and that is Ted Cruz, uh, who at this time will take the mic. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your strong leadership of the state, particularly in times of crisis. Once again, Texas has seen the face of evil. What happened this morning here in Santa Fe defies words. The agony, the hell that parents that this community is going through is unimaginable. Every one of us that's a parent that sends our sons or daughters off to school in the morning to have this horror greet them. This community is grieving mightily and the entire state of Texas, the entire country is grieving along with these parents, grieving along with these students. There have been too damn many of these. Texas has seen too many of these. We've seen deranged murderers, whether this morning here, whether a deranged bomber in Austin murdering innocent people, or whether six months ago in Sutherland Springs, another evil criminal murdering innocent people. Two weeks ago, I was back in Sutherland Springs at the dedication, the rededication of that church on the six-month anniversary of that horrific crime. And, and the word of encouragement that I would give to the people of Santa Fe as you deal with this unimaginable grief is that in the wake of this horror, that community and this community came together, leaned on each other, stood side by side with, with each other, cried on each other's shoulders, held each other, prayed for each other, helped each other stand up. And I can tell you in Sutherland Springs, six months after the horror, there was hope and joy. There was grief and mourning and loss, but there was also hope and joy. I'll tell the people of Santa Fe, you are right now being lifted up at this instant in prayers by millions of people across Texas, across the country, and across the world. And in the public policy arena, we need to be doing everything humanly possible to stop this from ever happening again, to stop violent criminals, to stop them from getting firearms, to stop them from getting access to schools to incarcerate them when they try to illegally purchase firearms. In the days ahead, we'll discover more about this particular shooter, about what red flags, what warning signs there may have been or there may not have been. And I'm sure we'll have a robust conversation about what more could have been done to prevent this horrible atrocity. But Texas, as a state, We'll make it through this. This community, Santa Fe, will make it through this. Leaning on each other, praying for each other, standing with each other, we will make it through this. And we thank the incredible heroes that we saw today, those in law enforcement that rushed into harm's way, teachers, students. We know that we are going to hear the bravery that manifested in the face of evil bravery that we know was done, at least in some instances, at great cost and great sacrifice, including the sacrifice of people's own lives. And so we celebrate that bravery, that courage, 
At the same time, we grieve the horror of this mass murder. With that, I'd like to recognize our Lieutenant Governor, Dan Patrick. Thank you, Senator. Um, once again, this is an Thank update out of the uh, Santa Fe, Texas area, the Santa Fe High School shooting. Ten fatalities, nine kids, one teacher. This is the lieutenant governor. What can we do now? One, if you're a parent and you own guns, lock your guns safely away. Your children should not be able or anyone else to get your legally owned guns. It's a serious issue. It's one big step that we can take. Number two, this school, Santa Fe School District, was actually one of 186 schools that received a safety award for going through a program that the state administered out of over 1,000 school districts. Dr. Wall and her staff had done everything that they could to protect these students. There were two officers assigned to this school, plus a roving officer. The chief was on his way to the school when the first shots were fired, in fact, it was the chief who was able, we understand, to pull back the one officer when he was shot to pull him to safety and return fire. We may have to look at the design of our schools moving forward and retrofitting schools that are already built. And what I mean by that is there are too many entrances and too many exits to our over 8,000 campuses in Texas over 8,000 campuses. There aren't enough people to put a guard at every entrance and exit. You would be talking 25, 30, 40,000 people. But if we can protect a large office building or a courthouse or any major facility, maybe we need to look at limiting the entrance and the exits into our schools so that we can have law enforcement looking at the people who come in one or two entrances. The schools may have to have their start day. Not all students show up at once so that we don't have every student, there are 1,400 students at this school, trying to get in the door at once. We're going to have to be creative. We're going to have to think out of the box. Because from what we know, this student walked in today with a long coat and a shotgun under his coat. It's 90 degrees. Had there been one single entrance possibly for every student maybe he would have been stopped. Now that will take a lot of work and a lot of money, but we need to do the work and do the money to protect the children the best we can. In other words, we may need to harden our schools and make them safer. And that's just one of many answers that, and that's why the governor's calling for the round table to discuss every option. But this is not acceptable in the state of Texas or in this country. This must end and we must do everything we can. We can't protect every parking lot and every stadium and every building but we can sure do better and as a nation we should look at the design of these schools that right now let people who are evil come onto the campus and take innocent lives the legislature will work side by side with the governor we will act working with the federal government we will act to do everything we can that this never ever happens again in texas and now our Colonel Steve McCraw from State Police, Department of Public Safety. Colonel. Thank you, Governor. I just want to underscore uh, some of the points that the Governor made. Uh, first and foremost is that when you get these calls, every police officer, no matter where you are, has to immediately engage the active shooter, period. 
There's no alternative because every second means someone else is going to die. In this situation, you had that. And the brave officers, independent school district here in Santa Fe, stepped up the plate, engaged one in critical condition right now. The other one, the chief, got there on scene, was able to rescue his officer. And a Texas state trooper also engaged the subject. And we know that because they were willing to run into that building and engage them right now, the other lives can be saved. That's absolutely important. And uh, in terms of the investigation, I'm going to defer to the uh, special agent in charge of the FBI in terms of at, uh, going up. But I can tell you this, everything that can be done is going to be done. And it's done at the local, state, and federal level. We're all partners. We'll get to the bottom of this in terms of motivation. But we do have some statement from the, from the subject right now that's important. Again, the subject's alive. That helps to identify motive, which is important. And uh, going forward, we'll continue to investigate. Good afternoon. My name is Perry Turner, Special Agent in Charge of the Houston FBI Office. And I want to say my heart's, my heart's thoughts and prayers go out to the Santa Fe uh, community. Uh, this is uh, truly uh, a tragedy. I would like to thank our federal, state, and local partners for working this investigation jointly uh, with us. It is a joint effort. Uh, every resource uh, is being used uh, to, to bring this matter to a successful conclusion. Uh, we are still in the process of gathering evidence, of conducting several interviews, uh, doing several search warrants. So this investigation is still pending and ongoing. Um, as far as information, we once we receive the information, we release the information to you uh, in a very timely uh, manner. Because the investigation is still ongoing, there's, we are still in need of uh, more information. We're still gathering it. So anyone with photos, videos, or information on their phones, uh, please take them to our FBI Texas City office. Uh, the address is 600 Gulf Freeway, Suite 211 in Texas City. And also anybody with additional information, please call 1-800-CALL-FBI. That's 1-800-CALL-FBI. Thank you for your help. Here. Once again, we want to uh, thank the heroes uh, of law enforcement who stepped forward uh, to respond to and confront the shooter. Uh, their action uh, probably ensured that uh, more lives were not lost. And also, once again, we send our hearts out to comfort uh, the families of, of the victims. And we want to ensure uh, those families as well as every person across the entire state of Texas, uh, that we as leaders of this state uh, view what happened today as unacceptable, and we're going to be striving to find strategies that will prevent actions like this from ever happening again. We'll be happy to take a few questions. Governor Abbott, who's on your dream team? Who do you want at that round table come Monday morning? Very, very importantly, we, we need to have people participating in this round table who will bring a diversity uh, of ideas, strategies, thoughts, and concerns. I would like to see uh, two members from uh, the Texas Senate, two members from the Texas House, from the legislative side. It's also important to have uh, families, victims, uh, educators, uh, but also understanding this doesn't just happen in school, it happens elsewhere. So we, we want to see uh, others who are impacted uh, by shootings like this. It'd be great to have some people who uh, were victims of Sutherland Springs there, for example, uh, as, as well as uh, concerned parents. But also it's very important to have those uh, who uh, believe uh, in making sure uh, that gun rights are protected. So we want to have everybody uh, who brings every perspective so that we can find the right strategies that will actually work. Any specific legislators? That, that will be up on, on 
for, for the lieutenant governor to decide and for the speaker to decide uh, for their respective bodies. Governor, legislatively, if you could propose something right now, what would it be? Interestingly, uh, I had prepared a policy paper that I was going to be rolling out next week addressing uh, gun safety in the state of Texas. And uh, I ticked off a few of those policy proposals in, in general, but they do in, in include some things that actually would not be relevant to what happened today. But they do include speeding background checks. They do include strategies to keep guns out of the hands of those who pose an immediate danger to others. They do include providing more resources to schools to have safety personnel uh, that are needed to respond, but also what you might call hardening of schools. They include resources to address the mental health issues uh, that are seemingly behind so many of these shootings uh, and make sure that we're able to address those mental health issues in a way that reduces gun violence. It also includes uh, looking at that program, uh, the mental health program that's been employed by uh, the Lubbock uh, Independent School District and look to expand that to other schools across the state. Governor, can you provide any more details on the on the uh, the confrontation with law enforcement? How much uh, longer after the shooting began was law enforcement able to, to confront the shooter? Any information on that? I think that would be better answered by somebody else who was on the scene. I've been briefed on it, but I want to make sure you have accurate information on it. What's the question? How much time? What was, what was the apprehension how much time between the beginning of the shooting and when the shooting when, was apprehended? When, when we know officers were at the school at the time. You can come on up. Here. Come on up right here. We know officers were at the school at the time as far as the, the time frame. We don't know that yet. We just have to go back and uh, review the video at this point. But there were there were officers on the scene, so it was, it was very limited time frame. So they were at the school when the shooting began? Yes, sir. Now, let me tell you two things about that. First, uh, the, the safety plan uh, by this particular school, the school district, uh, is to have two ISD officers on campus. Those two officers were on campus at the time uh, and were able to uh, confront the shooter early on in the process. Two, there are cameras in the school uh, that will provide film of, of a lot of this information. Uh, that has not yet been made available to all of us yet, but uh, hopefully will be soon. And that, that will reveal a whole lot. Governor, the legislature allowed SB 1556 uh, to reach out to every school as well as uh, to every college uh, and make sure that their school safety standards were up to speed and he received back uh, confirmation information uh, from schools across the entire state of Texas. So uh, we did that proactively. Interestingly, this school uh, went through their school safety procedure uh, just weeks before this incident and they went through uh, a lockdown test and so they, they took the precautionary preparation uh, that was expected of them. Yes, it, it, it appears that these explosive devices were made uh, by the shooter 
Cannot solidly confirm that yet, but there's no reason to suspect that any other person other than the shooter made those devices. Do you know how many there were? We're still working on the total number. The reason why is, is uh, as we gather here right now, I don't have information yet back from his, his house or the two residences that are being explored to know how many might be in there. And I haven't heard yet whether or not the car has been opened up yet to know how many might be in there. And so that's a number that we are unable to ascertain as of this moment. Do you know where he got supplies? So I'm just wondering, did he get the, you know where he got the supplies? Don't know that yet. The, the good news is is we, we're going to have the ability uh, to ask those questions. Governor, we, always hear, we always hear about some of the warning signs that were missed. What were some of those in this case? One of the frustrating things in, in the early status of this case is unlike Parkland, unlike Sutherland Springs, there were not those types of warning signs. Uh, we, we have what are often categorized as red flag warnings. Uh, and here, uh, the red flag warnings were either non-existent or are very imperceptible. Uh, th there is... Uh, from his Facebook page, uh, a, a T-shirt that, that says Born to Kill. Uh, that would be maybe the only, if not the, the foremost, uh, warning sign. But as far as uh, investigations by law enforcement agencies, as far as uh, arrest or confrontation with law enforcement, as far as having uh, a criminal history, he has none. Uh, his slate is pretty clean. And so there simply were not the same type of warning signs that we've seen in so many other shootings. Governor, are there any individuals who are wounded or still in critical condition? What about the officer who shot? Right, yes, there, there are. Uh, it's my understanding there's at least one, perhaps two people who are still in critical condition, uh, and I'm, I'm not at liberty to reveal the, the identification of those people at this time. Thanks, guys. We've got to go. There you go. That's the uh, latest update. Again, Governor Greg Abbott there from Texas. All right, we were just uh, the, apparently the shooter had written at some point that he wanted to commit suicide in all of this. There were some journal entries that this kid had made, this 17-year-old suspect, that uh, he was planning this, that this was something that he'd had on his mind for some time. We don't know the time frame, but that he also wanted to commit suicide at the end of whatever shooting was going to take place. Alex Stone has been following this story for us as well. Alex, uh, what stuck out to you from the from the governor's press conference? Well, you know, there were he gave so much information. This was uh, somewhat surprising, and in fact, the FBI officials who got up and spoke as well seemed very open uh, to uh, explain a lot of this. In a lot of jurisdictions, you would get we can't answer that, we can't answer that, and they pretty much laid out what went on this morning and what they know. We did just find out from the sheriff's department. We confirmed the the suspect's name, Demetrios. Uh, Pegordis, uh, something close to that. Uh, and uh, we've got his mugshot as well. And he looks like a 17-year-old kid. He's in the orange jumpsuit now. He's got shaggy hair. Looks like maybe some uh, pimples on the face, uh, maybe a, a little bit slightly overweight. And he's looking right into the camera. And this is the alleged murderer who uh, carried this out today. But the the devices that now they believe that, that he put together – uh, at least one CO2 device, another a Molotov cocktail. We know some pipe bombs, and that's what they're dealing with right now, trying to make sure that as they're executing these search warrants uh, around the area uh, in Santa Fe that, that they don't stumble upon one of these devices and it goes off on them. So it's slow as they execute the search warrants. They found the devices at the school, at, at his home, uh, potentially in his car. They're, they're very carefully going into that car. 
but uh, but they believe that they may he made all of these devices and it really shows a lot of premeditation that, that he put a lot of work into this uh, and now they want to know this other person who they've been questioning did he have an accomplice did he carry this out on his own the guns we know came from it appears his father the uh, and the 38 caliber the the revolver along with the shotgun uh, still a lot to be answered but a lot of information just coming out right now also that there were three officers who eventually engaged this guy. Just the, I mean, the two who were on campus, the two uh, Santa Fe Independent School District officers, one of them was the chief, in fact, and then a third Texas State trooper he referred to that had come on campus, and all three of them were able to, I, I don't know if it was at, exchange gunfire with this guy. We know at least one of them did, um, but that there were three that they were that responded that quickly to the situation. Yeah, and uh, two of them were already there on at the school. Part of the plan for this school district is you always have two officers on the campus. Uh, and then the chief was heading toward the school, just happened to be at that moment, and heard the, the dispatch come across and then raced to the scene and actually pulled out his injured officer from the scene after his officer had been shot. We know that school police officer, according to several different sources, he is John Barnes. He's a retired Houston police officer. Uh, he then went to the school district. Officer Barnes is undergoing surgery right now. He was shot in the arm, but uh, he's listed in critical condition at this point. But hopefully being shot in the arm, he's going to be able to, uh, to pull through. At this point, 10 are injured on top of the 10 who have been killed. Uh, but those police officers, they went right in, and they engaged uh, this 17-year-old. And this is what ever since, and we talk about it every time there's a, a mass shooting, that ever since Columbine, the training is you don't wait, that uh, the, the lessons were learned in Columbine where it took too long to get SWAT teams inside because the first officers arrived on scene and said, whoop, this is beyond what I can do, and then waited for the SWAT teams to arrive, which took a long time. Now they don't wait. It said that the first one on scene, you go running in and you engage that suspect and your own life could be taken in the process. We saw it happen in San Bernardino where the, the officers went running right in despite knowing that they were probably outgunned. Uh, but that's what's got to be done now. And that's what these officers did today. Yeah, and there was a lot of talk after Parkland about maybe an officer on the scene not going right in. Yeah, exactly. And he went against his training. And the, the training is now that, that you do jump right into it. And you can imagine... The fear, no matter how tough you are as a police officer, that that bulletproof vest that you're wearing, the soft vest, isn't going to stop most likely what a lot of these shooters have, that you're putting your own life in danger. But that's what the job is now, to, to run in and take on the, the gunman, and that's what these officers did today. Well, and, you know, after Parkland, we talked about, I know you and I, Gary, talked about having these retired detectives like Officer Barnes at, at these schools, and here it seemed like they did have that and law enforcement did what it was supposed to do and still we end the day with horrific tragedy um so i think that's why the lieutenant governor spent a big a big chunk of time talking about well what else are we going to do to these schools yeah well and also look at the the firepower that the suspect have he didn't have an ar he had something that would not fire as rapidly at a shotgun and a 38 revolver that that this could have been a very different story had it been a uh, a higher powered weapon than than what he had today uh and but still he was able to uh, create a lot of carnage out of all of this and uh, we just got some more information on uh, on the suspect I just got a note here that he's been charged with murder he's on no bail right now uh, the charge is capital murder, not eligible for the death penalty because he's a minor, but he's being held and he's talking to them. And they've got the 
the journals. They know that he wanted to kill himself, but for whatever reason, ended up giving himself up because he was in that gun battle with police. Uh, but uh, the, the plan was that he was going to commit suicide. And the, the most interesting thing about this to me is that they're still looking at one or two other possible accomplices in this. Yeah, and uh, they're talking to them right now. Who knows where that's going to go? As uh, we were talking about earlier, that so often the belief is early on that there are more people involved than it actually turns out to be. But we don't know in this case that that he may have had some help. Uh, It appears that that he was posting pictures last night of a T-shirt that said, Born to Kill. Was that a warning? Should people have seen that as a warning? If you see somebody post a picture of a T-shirt with uh, words like that on it, uh, was he involved with anybody else in this, with the making of the explosives, with the setting off of the fire alarm today to to have people come out of their classrooms and potentially be sitting ducks as they come out for what they thought was a, a fire drill? We don't know if the fire alarm going off was a result of the explosives going off and and allowing the the fire alarm to sound, or if he or somebody working with him pulled the fire alarm so people, the the students would, the doors would open up and they would just come walking out nonchalantly, and then he could open fire on them. That's not clear at this point, but but did he have anybody else? They're trying to figure that out. Alex Stone, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Okay, let's go over just some of the things that the governor was talking about today, because like Alex said, this was uh, there was a lot of information that Governor Abbott gave out in all of this, Um, among other things that they are still searching uh, several different things, a couple of different homes that they're searching that may be connected to this kid, but also a vehicle and the possibility that the the vehicles that they're looking for might be connected to some of those other people that they're talking to. I think so, because they said they did find an explosive device in a vehicle, but that they're still searching for the shooter's car. So I wonder if that vehicle belongs to one of the people that's being questioned, the vehicle where the explosive device was found. There's a possibility that he put it in there. I'm sure that's what's going to be the case, that this kid acted alone, but out of an abundance of caution, they're, they're making sure that there are no... Loose ends. Also, they pointed to something that proves that the first words that we hear about these situations tend not to be true. One of the stories was that he had been carrying a shotgun, a An rifle, fifteen style rifle, right, the the revolver, the 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 bombs, etc. And the way the governor said there were two weapons: there was a shotgun and a thirty-eight revolver. Now, the thirty-eight revolver is going to hold six shots, five uh, maybe. But that's, I mean, old school revolver is going to hold six shots. So was he reloading? Because a shotgun's not going to hold a whole lot of shells either, even if you find one that's going to, that has the capacity to hold that many shells. Well, here's the thing there's 10 people that were killed, shot and killed. And there's 10 people that were injured. Some of these people have multiple wounds, multiple gunshot wounds. It would, well, and I don't know if that's... And and where was the officer? I mean, the officer engaged him pretty quickly, but this is a massive school, okay? So what are the chances that the school, the armed officer was near him? It probably not good, right? The right. officer probably had to come from the other side of the school, and most then had likely. And figure out where the guy was. The whole bit. So I'm sure he had time to, yes, reload. Um, they're saying that the explosive devices that they found, whether it's pipe bombs, pressure cookers, the governor even used the term Molotov cocktails, all appear to have been made by the user. And he didn't want to put a number on it because, like we were saying, they're still looking for those explosive devices whether they're in homes or in like you said the one found in the car and they're executing these multiple search warrants um ted cruz sounds like a puppet i, I don't want to throw I don't that in even there. talk about ted cruz that right guy's now. vocal 
I don't know what you call it. His vocal practice yeah, is so weird to me. Um, this is the mugshot, yes. by the way. Dead eyes. Oh, yeah. Same dead eyes we see, unfortunately, way too damn often. All right. Let's take a break here and come back with uh, with more of the latest here. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. A lot of questions about this shooter, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, believing, saying that he does not believe, excuse me, there were any red flags for the suspect. I beg to differ with the governor. I'm sure we're going to see some red flags. It wasn't just the born to kill T-shirt he posted on Facebook uh, this morning. But the governor also said that moving forward, he wants to have a a roundtable next week. He wants diverse ideas from from different people about what to do about uh, some sort of strategy or policy that that will stop these these shootings from happening. We've seen the same conversation take place on the federal level. Serena Marshall is actually joining us from uh, from Capitol Hill today. And we see this happen after these school shootings here where there's a a, a reaction to talk about gun control or some sort of gun control. And then it kind of fades away. We don't really see what's going on. So what is going on right now in Congress? Is there any active measure in terms of gun control or uh, addressing these school shootings? I mean, Gary, Shannon, this is a pretty consistent pattern that we've seen up here on Capitol Hill. Like you said, there's a, a tragic shooting. There's a lot of talk about doing something, very little action, if any, and then it fades into the background and then another shooting happens and we repeat the pattern. And so when it comes to Washington doing anything after Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, we saw them take a little bit of action. The Fix Nicks passed in March. They passed that Stop School Violence Act, which gave more money to schools. It allows the CDC to do research on gun violence. And then we saw the Department of Justice announced their rule to try and ban those bump stocks that's currently in a public comment period through the end of June and likely, honestly, to be legally challenged as well. Uh, but whether Congress hasn't taken on any kind of a, a action on bump stocks, any kind of action on changing the gun purchasing age, instead we're seeing states really lead the charge when it comes to this. Uh, we saw that with Florida, and now it sounds like Governor Abbott is moving towards that direction as well. Like you mentioned, he wants to hold roundtables almost immediately, talk about reducing gun violence in schools, including expedited background checks, mental health resources, and more support for security personnel. I think one of the things that is going to be squarely right in the middle of the table is holding adults accountable. In this case, these weapons were the shooter's father, uh, father's weapons that he uh, apparently legally owned, um, and, and 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 states moving forward with trying to figure out what the potential charges could be to start holding adults accountable when they're not um, they're not responsible with their weapons or they don't have them locked up or away from their kid who could very well be troubled. Yeah, and that's not something that's ever really been discussed on Capitol Hill. Now, current federal regulations do uh, prohibit the gifting or uh, of a weapon to some to a minor, and so that would in, be included in this situation here. So, if the parent did gift the the gun to the child and they had access that way, then that would be a federal crime. But if the child just took them uh, from a safe or had access to a safe and they weren't properly stowed in some way, will that be something that they'll talk about? in the future. That's a question. That's not something we've heard on Capitol Hill in the past. Uh, but it's the same 
it's the same rhythm. We heard from the president today talking about how we're going to be there with you and we'll protect you and, you know, we shouldn't be having these these activities, these gun shootings all the time. And that's very similar language we heard from him after Parkland when he said we've seen too much of it and we're going to stop it. And he got behind some measures, including raising the minimum age, and then we saw him vacillate backwards uh, to saying that, that maybe that's not the right movement to go in. And then we heard him talk to the NRA and tell them, your Second Amendment rights are under siege and they will never be under siege as long as I'm your president. So where the administration stands on this and leading the charge on this has been very wishy-washy in the past six months. Will they take a different position now and really push forward more to get Congress on board and to push Congress into action is another big question mark, especially because we're in an election year and Congress has a tendency to not do a whole lot of controversial move, a lot of controversial action in an election year. Yeah, Serena, thank you. Thank you, Serena Marshall. There with the latest from Capitol Hill in terms of this reaction. I think from basically what I've seen though in terms of the reaction after Parkland and people calling for specific laws, whether it was the governor of Florida or members of Congress who were trying to prevent this in the future. Do you know none of the things that I can recall they were talking about would have prevented this? No. I mean, this if banning bump stocks, bump stocks weren't used here. These guns would not have they, – they're you don't use a bump stock right. with a shotgun or a thirty eight revolver. Um, the idea that you would raise the uh, the buying age doesn't matter because these were his dad's weapons. I mean, right. like you said, the, the idea of m- making sure that the parents, uh, whoever the gun owner is, is going to be responsible for how those guns are used and stored, et cetera – there is a chance that that might be something that th- th- gets some sort of traction after yeah. this. I can't believe that it wouldn't. But you can't you can't even say, for example, that that all of the rules that people came up with after Parkland would have changed this because no. they wouldn't have. No. So it's and not- I and I, I you know the, I believe the lieutenant governor's heart was in the right place when he says we should have one in exit and entrance to a school but that's a that's a safe safety nightmare what if there's a a fire and i mean that's a stampede situation well and you're talking about bill hundreds of billions of dollars of construction and turning schools into prisons it's just an odd anyway this is a story that um that we've been following since very early this morning santa fe high school uh, a shooting today 10 people killed nine of them students one teacher and then 10 others injured one 17 year old in custody and possibly one and maybe two other people who may have been accomplices in this have also been uh, have also been picked up. We will continue this, including a discussion about a, a list that came out, eight ways that we can prevent this kind of violence in the future. We'll talk with one of the people who helped put that list together. Gary and Shannon, Friday, May 18th, talking about the high school shooting in Texas, Santa Fe High School. Ten people killed today, nine students and one teacher. Ten people injured as well. Officer still in surgery. Uh, One of a couple officers who was able to engage the suspect. And the plan was for this kid to uh, kill himself. But as the governor put it, he didn't have the courage when the time came. One of the things that's going to be talked about, and we've spent time already today talking about, is how to prevent the next school shooting. Soon after the uh, Parkland shooting in uh, the middle of February, there was a professor at University of California, Santa Barbara, Shane Jimerson, who sent an email to a colleague at Rutgers. Um, They both specialize in the study of school violence, and they 
brought on some other people to put together an eight-point program called Call for Action to Prevent Gun Violence in the United States of America. One of our local professors was there uh, who helped draft this plan, Professor Ron Avi Astor at University of Southern California, and he joins us now. First of all, thanks for coming on today. This is going to be a busy day, I'm sure. Yeah, it's it's a sad day again, and one that we've seen too many times over the last 20 years. What uh, is the plan you that you that you uh, helped formulate and come up with? I think what we were concerned about at the time, and by the way, this is a plan that was revised, sadly, at three times that I could remember after different shootings, including after Sandy Hook. This time, we decided to shorten it and to make our points much stronger. Uh, what we felt is that in the public discourse, there wasn't much talk about what the research and the data was saying about what could be der- done for long-term prevention, and uh, not just after a shooting and to kind of deconstruct, which is very important, uh, but uh, could be done long-term uh, in many different ways that aren't being talked about. It usually gets stopped with the gun debate, the Second Amendment, and then we don't move forward. So that was our major goal. Uh, and, uh, for example, there's a ton of evidence that researchers and scientists know about that actually making schools softer, uh, more relational, more welcoming, more caring, not just from the teachers and the students, but to the students and the students, has long-term prevention effects because uh, the students generally do know early on if a classmate is suicidal or if the classmate has access to weapons or if they're even planning a shooting. On the whole, uh, these shooters, and we don't know yet about these particular, but on the whole, almost all of them have told other students or family members, people close in the school setting, and that hasn't been used uh, to prevent shootings as much as we could. Um, And in schools where they're warmer, more welcoming, where there's uh, not fear of being a snitch or retribution, uh, we could see in Colorado and other places where they've actually been able to avert many school shootings that never make it to the news. And we want to actually push uh, in a direction to make schools more caring, more social-emotional, more supportive, so actually students and teachers could come forth and know what to do in these situations when they hear about it. Uh, of, and, and that was our initial push. One of the uh, One of the eight points here is something that caught my eye was a program to train and maintain um, threat assessment teams, whether it's the school level or a wider community level, but a threat assessment team involving mental health and law enforcement professionals, how would those work? Yeah, uh, this is work done primarily through Dewey Cornell at the University of Virginia, and it's been tried out in multiple states on large scale. And what they do is when there's a threat, it doesn't have to be a weapons threat. It could be even more minor threats. Uh, They have a team that's specifically trained to go in and to actually talk uh, to the students, to the family, to the classmates, and to do uh, a very thorough, uh, focused assessment in terms of what's going on. Uh, very often, uh, these are kids that have uh, they're troubled, that have a lot of long history of, of mental health issues. I think the biggest concern is that many of them have access to weapons as well. So the team actually goes in and works with the school and works with the teachers not to expel and suspend, they 
uh, we had been in earlier years, but to actually build supports both in the community and in the school and to the family. Uh, if the funds need to be removed because this child is suicidal or not, then, then they move in that direction. Uh, very often they find that going with this kind of, again, uh, caring, softer, supportive, uh, resource-oriented approach uh, results in, in studies in no uh, shootings that they could see afterwards or no uh, formal uh, large-scale threats or able to de-escalate them and actually engage the school in better monitoring over time. So I think this kind of threat assessment is good because otherwise we created with the prior zero tolerance laws, uh, the school to prison pipeline would send a lot of minority kids and kids of, and from low income uh, settings to jails early on or to be on the street. And that created its own problem. This kind of threat assessment actually has been shown not to have a negative effect on African-American, Latino, and other low-income groups in inner cities. And at the same time, it increases a lot of the other uh, mental health and social supports that come I, uh, to these kids. Professor, I went to um, I went to school in Northern California, and I was in a place where it wasn't uncommon for people to have weapons in their truck in the parking lot because they would go mm-hmm. hunting afterwards. And we had zero tolerance policies when it came to to weapons or threats of violence on campus. And I did not live through anything like this. Why is it now? I mean, you're talking about a, a softer atmosphere, but it, but when I look back at the harder atmosphere that you and I probably grew up in, and a lot of people who are listening grew up in, this was not common. This this did not happen. I don't know when you grew up, uh, but when I grew up, <laughs> there was actually quite a few shootings that were happening in our schools that were just never reported by the media and never made it to even the local media. I would say I grew up in L.A. I could think through at least a half dozen, if not more, uh, threats with guns and shootings, but they were framed differently. They were thought of differently, and our consciousness as a society was not as strong as it is now. Uh, I think things changed. Our watershed moment uh, was Columbine uh, when the media, I have to say the media has driven this uh, in a good way, not in a bad way, to make us more aware uh, that that shootings on school grounds and around school grounds have happened. And by the way, they happened in large numbers even beforehand. I think what's different here is that the expectation uh, was that they would not happen in middle income or suburban areas or these mass so many people killed in one setting rather than before. And I think what is different is uh, in these cases, we're not talking about hunting rifles. In this case, we're not talking about, uh, uh, you know, machine guns or AR-15s or other kinds of uh, things like that. But in many of the other shootings, you are talking about assault rifles that were created to kill a lot of people in the military. And at least in my days, when people brought weapons to schools, and we saw them, and we were threatened by them sometimes, uh, then... Yeah, well, um, you know, something has changed, though. I mean, I don't think Columbine was a watershed moment. I mean, I'm just reviewing it just in the 1990s, the the school shootings, and, you know, you'll have one death or two, and the worst was six. Um, But then you hit Littleton, Colorado, um, with 15 killed and 21 Mm -hmm, injured, mm -hmm. and it really did start something in this country. Uh, There's a lot of people, unfortunately, too many people one is too many who view uh the the shooters at columbine as some sort of gods and it just seems like something has changed and it's not just more access to guns it seems like from a mental health standpoint there's been a, a, a change in this country that's making these kids do this more and more and more 
I agree. It's not one thing. It's definitely not only access to guns, although if you could uh, decrease the number of assault weapons that kids have access to, then you'll, in, in, when these instances do happen, fewer people will die. I, I think that is one view. But I agree with you that they've become, this has become kind of a model, and it's a combination of many different factors, including the, uh, uh, these groups of kids who are both, by the way, almost all of them suicidal and homicidal, not just suicidal. They, they go into it with the, with the goal of killing a lot of people, but also taking themselves out, almost all of them. And they do uh, model with the bombs and with the assault weapons, and there is kind of a, a game plan that many of them have adhered to uh, where we may have not had that narrative and that model early on. Uh, so you're right. There are these what some people call copycats or, uh, or, or, or want to kill more people than the others. So I think those particular kids uh, and those particular situations, we have to look for more than just access to guns. For example, um, uh, obsession with arsenals. So it's not just uh, having a hunting gun, you know, uh, like um, uh, Gary just said, you know, in the back, and I'm going to use it for later. The kids who need to have 15, 20, 30 uh, are obsessed with creating bombs, uh, who talk to other kids and write in their uh, journals or in their schoolwork about uh, idealizing the Columbine kids or Parkland or whatever. This happens very often. Kids write about it and they tell other people. So I think it's the combination of those kinds of variables that this threat assessment that we talked about earlier needs to identify because it's not just guns and it's not just mental health and it's not just suicide. It's those particular kids that have this particular combination. And obsession with arsenals and suicidal behavior uh, are definitely red flags. All right, Professor, uh, if, we we have to wrap up because we're running up against time, but we thank you. We're going to make sure that we put the information up so people can check out the uh, the eight-point call for action to prevent gun violence in the United States of America. Professor Ron Avi Astor from USC who helped uh, put that list together. All right, we'll come back. We have more information coming up in just a few minutes. We're also at the bottom of the hour going to go live to Texas. Jim Ryan is, uh, is at the Santa Fe High School in Texas. Uh, we're going to get an update from the actual scene. That's all coming up. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon, Santa Fe High School shooting down in Texas is the uh, headline today. Ten fatalities, ten kids, I'm uh, sorry, nine students and one teacher killed, ten people injured, including one of the officers who was on campus at the time of the shooting was able to, uh, we believe, exchange shots with this kid. He was armed with a, a 17-year-old was armed with a shotgun and a 38 revolver. He's been taken into custody. We've already seen his mugshot, and they're saying that there may be one, possibly two people of interest uh, that have been detained as well and are being questioned as part of all of this. We just talked with um, with Professor Ron Ravi Astor, who helped put together a program, an eight-point program called Call for Action to Prevent Gun Violence in the U.S. And I, I just wanted to, to revisit this because a, a lot of what he said does make sense. I mean, they break it down into three levels, these list of eight things. The vast majority of it depends on adequate staffing, increased resources for mental health professionals, um, reforming school discipline, uh, a national program to train and maintain. I mentioned the threat assessment teams, et cetera. I mean, there are some there are some gaping holes in the way we handle mental health in the United States. There are always there. I don't know if I'd say there always has been, but there are right now. One of the things, though, that is the that listed on their first level of what should be done to prevent gun violence in the U.S. 
is a ban on assault-style weapons, high-capacity ammo clips, products that modify semi-automatic firearms to enable them to function like automatic firearms, think uh, bump stocks. That doesn't do anything to change what happened today. And I I think you can't... I'm not saying that I discount the other eight, the other seven steps of his eight steps that they've come up with, but we are in one of those situations where the laws that were uh, proposed after Parkland High School would not have had an impact on this shooting today. So you're dealing with shifting playing ground. I mentioned at the beginning of the show. The one thing that hasn't changed, though, is a screwed up kid. Right. Well, that's the thing. That's the constant. All the other stuff can move around where you've got a, you've got a screwed up kid at the center of it. But the Venn diagram that goes around him, how much mental illness this kid has, what exposure to violence has he seen before? What was access he, to guns does he have? What access to guns was right. he bullied? I mean, all of these different things that are that are constantly shifting and go and they're different in every single situation. We have to start with the screwed up kid. So and in that in that sense. There are plenty of those eight steps that do address that screwed up kid. Yeah. I mean, one of the one of the basic things that that you do is not as an institution, it's not as a school district, it's not as a school, it's you as an individual. It's you and your family group and that's it. Whatever your family looks like, it doesn't matter. But I... but but talking to the kids who are in your family group and saying do you know anybody like this? Are you afraid of anybody? Some at people are born bad. Some people are just bad. They're born murderers. Some people become murderers. And why? What? Why would he? Why do they pick this as their end game? Yeah, and end game is a great word. He said um, this kid apparently wrote in one of his journals that he wanted to commit suicide at the end of this attack and. The governor said he just didn't have the courage to do so. Quick update from the hospital where the officer there, retired detective, retired Houston PD detective John Barnes, still in surgery after four hours. Uh, vital signs are stable. It looks like he was uh, he was shot in the oh, where'd it go? Is it Got arm? Live updates. I think it's the elbow. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, shot in the elbow area. Condition was serious when he arrived due to excessive blood loss. Um, and uh, he's 49 and remains in critical condition there. They, they said the elbow, the wound caused bone and blood vessel damage. Ugh. And you can imagine if he was there by himself, uh, I don't know if any of the kids were able anywhere close by to help him out with basic first aid. Uh, but it was his chief who responded and was able to pull him to safety and get him into an ambulance and get him to the hospital. Wow. All right, we'll continue to do this, uh, to update this. Jim Ryan is on the scene at the high school. We're going to talk to him next on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon. Staying on top of the latest details coming out of Santa Fe, Texas, on this high school shooting, 10 people killed, 10 injured. Jim Ryan is there in Santa Fe and joins us now for the very latest. Jim, what's that scene like? Well, Shannon, yeah, the school, of course, has been closed off now. It's a crime scene. It's the kind of crime scene that we've seen over and over in the last couple of years, parked in Florida. We saw it at Columbine in schools around the country in different mass shooting locations. And now it's happened here. Uh, we know that uh, 10 people were killed, nine students, one 
uh, teacher and 10 others, at least 10 others, were, were, were uh, injured. Some of them have now been treated and released. We don't have the uh, latest numbers on those injuries, Shannon, yet, but uh, uh, we're waiting for that update uh, coming soon from the governor, too. Do we know anything about the actual confrontation between the officers who are on campus and the gunman? Well, apparently it was very brief. Uh, it was uh, just, uh, the, uh, according to the governor and according to the other law enforcement sources, this uh, person, this 17-year-old student, intended to take his own life at the end of this shooting spree, either lost his nerve or, for whatever reason, decided not to. Uh, he then surrendered. He simply put down his handgun and his shotgun and was taken into custody peacefully. Uh, I, I'm assuming that news is traveling uh, fast through the through the circles there. Um, are, are there still people on campus waiting to hear what's going on, waiting to hear who was um, injured, who was killed? Uh, no. I, you know, I, as soon as this all ended, you had the, uh, the street in front of the high school crowded with cars and trucks and SUVs, the parents of those kids frantic to be reunited with their students, and that's what happened. They, uh, all 1,400 students or so uh, were picked up from there and have gone home with them. So the school is essentially nothing more than a crime scene. The people who are there are uh, law enforcement and nothing more. What do we know about the different scenes that are now being looked at? Obviously, the school is going to be the main scene where they pick up all the evidence, but we know that there are other search warrants that are being executed. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, search warrants where uh, this student lived, where he might have had friends. Uh, there was one other person of interest who was being questioned in connection with this. We don't know yet uh, uh, what that connection might have been and, and whether there was you know, that there was an accomplice in this case. We don't think anybody else has been charged. Uh, but some of those other locations will relate either to that person or to the shooter himself, the shooting suspect, as they try to gather up uh, information about motives and about weapons. The uh, danger here is that there were explosives found, apparently one, at least one pipe bomb found inside the school, concerned that there may be pipe bombs also at the suspect's home. Law enforcement, uh, are, are they asking for any information? I mean, uh, I'm assuming kids have, you know, maybe have footage on their phones or, or things like that. Uh, are, are they asking for, for any of that? Well, they are, and they're asking for any video. We saw video coming out of uh, the Parkland shooting, too, and, and it seems that everywhere there are teenagers, there are going to be cell phones. Everywhere there are cell phones, there are cameras, of course. So, yes, they are, they'll have a wealth of video uh, coming out of this scene as well, and they are asking that anybody who has that kind of video come forward as they piece this all together. Jim, we appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Jerry. Jim Ryan there, the latest uh, in Santa Fe, Texas, the scene of this shooting from early this morning. Um, as we go back through some of the information that we found out from the governor uh, an hour ago, the story that I think still is, is sticking in my head is these uh, these explosive devices and whether or not this kid was able to make these bombs himself, uh, whether there are pressure cookers or Molotov cocktails or what exactly the nature of the explosive devices, we don't know other than we know that at least one of them was found at the school and they have found at least other uh, one other one outside of the school somewhere else, whether it's at one of these homes they're executing these search warrants in. Um, I And I find it interesting that that as a tactic hasn't been used, as far as I can remember, since the Columbine High School attack back in 1999. 
And that is unusual because it it's it portends a a level of planning that goes beyond something that was sort of a spur of the moment, acting out of anger, acting because of some situation that went bad. You yeah. know, I mean, this like that this kid knew this was going to happen, and you don't just put together explosive devices in in a, in an afternoon. Because the seventeen-year-old kid's got to research it. He's got to figure out how to do it. He's got to plan it. He's got to get the materials to get t- together, and that's why it's interesting that there is at least one other person that they're talking to as well. Because that would that would make me think that this was a wider thing, either that there were more people involved, or this had been going on for so long in this kid's brain that there were other people who knew about it. Uh, one of the kids, uh, sophomore there at Santa Fe High School, he's actually a University of Houston baseball commitment, um, has tweeted that he was one of the ones injured. He is a pitcher. He says he was, uh, let's see, here's his tweet. I'm so grateful and blessed that God spared my life today. Today I was shot in the back of the head, but I am completely okay and stable. Uh, we're hearing more about, he told the Houston Chronicle the bullet missed everything vital. And that he is back home. He said, I was just scared for my life. And the adrenaline adrenaline was so high, I had no idea I was shot. So he was sitting in the classroom at the time. He says, I was sitting doing my work. And he walked in, tossed something on the desk behind me. And then three loud pops. And I jumped under my table, flipped it in front of me. And I guess he ran out in the hall. And I took off the back door. When I was running, I realized I was shot in the back of the head. Whoa. Whoa was right. Uh, all right, we'll wrap this up as far as what Breaking we know What we know about this uh, high school shooting in Texas when we come back and then uh, hand it over to the John and Ken Show. The other story that we were following as well was this plane crash in Cuba. A plane crashed shortly after takeoff. It was a 737. More than 100 people were killed after this plane uh, crashed right after takeoff in Havana on its way to uh, Holguin on the eastern end of Cuba. But they were saying that there were three people who survived the crash and who were taken out of there on stretchers and are listed in critical condition. But that would be miraculous if those three people were able to survive. Um, but that happened this morning as well. So we'll come back, wrap all of this up before we get out of here. Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon, on this uh, Friday, May 14th, all four hours of our show today dominated by the Santa Fe High School shooting down in Santa Fe, Texas. May 18th. We uh, uh, had nine students that were killed today, one teacher, ten other people were injured, including a couple of teachers, we believe, and at least one of the police officers who was on campus at the time of the shooting. This all happened about 730 in an art room. They're uh, at towards the back of this Santa Fe High School campus, away from the front doors. Gunfire breaks out about 7.30 this morning. First period began at 7.10. We've um, been following this the entire show, and as we've gotten more and more information, none of it was really great. Uh, obviously, the, the numbers were solidified in terms of the 10 fatalities. We heard uh, as few as eight at one point, but... We've uh, been watching what's been going on on social media and everybody's response to all of this. The uh, witnesses were describing how this gunman came through the door of that first period art class and even yelled the word surprise before he started shooting. Somewhere, a fi- Someone pulled a fire alarm. There was one of the witnesses, one of the students had said that he talked to a buddy 
after they ran out of the school that Buddy had seen the kid walk in with a shotgun and pulled the fire alarm to warn everybody to get everybody out of there. Some of the teachers knew that that was not a planned drill, and some of the teachers were escorting and demanding, I guess is probably a better word, that their students run away from campus as fast as possible to get away from what was about to happen, and that's when they could hear the gunshots. Um, There were also some possible explosive devices. Governor Greg Abbott, during his news conference not too long ago, explained that they found at least one explosive device in the school and another explosive device near, uh, sorry, in this kid's home and a vehicle as well as around the school and nearby. Now, an interesting thing is, we heard Jim Ryan mention this, they have several search warrants that they are in the process of executing on vehicles, on places that this kid may have lived. There's also one or two other students that they're in, they're questioning that may be associated with this. And there are agents from Texas Department of Safety, the Texas Highway Patrol, ATF, FBI, et cetera, that have been surrounding this this kid's father's home dad, for, for three and a half hours and have yet to go into the home. The dad's The dad had the guns, the shotgun and the thirty eight. And they think that these residents could be booby-trapped. So they're being very careful about it. Governor Greg Abbott saying there were a few prior warnings about this guy. Um, you know, we saw we saw Parkland, Sutherland Springs, the shooters that, that carried out those mass killings. There were a lot of red flags. He says, with this kid, there really wasn't. There was the picture he posted on Facebook this morning of the T-shirt saying, Born to Kill. Uh, he says, but aside from that, not much. Well, you know who's going to you know who's going to be the people to see the red flags. It's going to be the parents. Yeah, and it's uh it's Sometimes be... there aren't public red flags. Sometimes it's got to be Sometimes you got to be on alert in the home. It's going to be willful ignorance too yeah, exactly. or, or, or the the willingness to overlook these things because Johnny's having a bad day or and this doesn't mean that he's violent or capable of murder when in fact it should be, you know, it should be something that should terrify you and should be not out of the realm of possibility because too many times people look the other way and this is the uh, end result in it. All right. Uh, John and Ken are going to have all of the details throughout the course of the day and also the update on that Cuban airplane crash, the 737 that crashed after takeoff. So sucky Friday. We hope Monday's better. We'll see you then. Stay dry, everybody.